yes, no, welcome to uh, North v South, a podcast about but not about design. Good morning, John. Hello, Rob. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes. Not bad. How's uh, your week been? It's been uh, it's been rather nice. I've got my parents uh, down from York staying in a minute. So obviously I had to stop my mum from uh, from being part of this podcast so she could speak to you in person, um, as she's such a fan of your voice. Um, but it's been very nice. We went to Ham House yesterday. Yeah. Um, which I've only been to once before. Uh, quite a few years ago and I'd kind of forgotten everything about it and it's a lovely lovely place to uh, have a little look around um, beautiful house lots of history lots of amazing paintings um, lots of Van Dyke's Van, Van Dyck Van Dyke mm-hmm. <laughs> not Dick Van Dyke no he's, um, he's in the chimneys yeah um, it was very good so a little bit of kind of restoration work going on in one of the rooms which was quite interesting um, a nice thing they do on a lot of their paintings, they have tags hanging from some of their paintings, and it tells you the restoration process that's gone on and how many hours they spent on which bit, which I thought was a really nice touch that I've never seen in a stately home before. So, you know, it's like 55 hours of varnish removal and 20 hours of cleaning and it sounds, hours it sounds of like my morning, uh, morning facial. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was good. <clears throat> Uh, and then I made friends with a parakeet yesterday, which was... I saw a photograph. Which was surprising. Uh, a friend of my wife has a flower shop in Twickenham, and uh, we went in there. And a, a parakeet, one of the many parakeets in this neck of the woods, um, had, had uh, visited her uncle and wouldn't leave. And she'd somehow become the... Uh, kind of carer for this parakeet and it was just flying around her shop uh, and was very friendly just came and sat on my shoulder had a little chat it was quite cute wow so yeah and uh, I did a little bit of work earlier in the week but uh, yeah it's pretty much my week so far but yeah, oh, yeah it's alright for some isn't it uh, <laughs> yeah it's been a busy week lots of press ads and um, it's just ground me down into a sort of a, a pulp basically uh, um, and I've got a teething daughter uh so yeah, feeling a bit weary today, but I don't know, aren't I always? But um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the end of the day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, yeah, what else have I been doing? I uh, got a website that went live last night, so oh. that's one off my um, off my list. And I've got two others going. One's yeah, so both of them have come back online now because uh, the clients went quiet. You didn't so- accidentally delete them. Then. No, but I was going to talk about that later. That's an incredible. That well, let's let's jump into the news uh, because yeah, that uh, um, Jessica that was Jessica was on the train back from London yesterday and uh, sent me that link saying got to talk about this. This guy has. Uh, uh, I, I think the story is has become quite apocryphal. Uh, and I think I'm not sure, you know, whether all of it's true. Yeah. But he uh, he was uh, he had a hosting business um and he was he said i was only hosting 1500 and something sites yeah. <laughs> so god that's why i don't host sites um yeah and he's uh, yeah inadvertently used a unix command um rm something or other which i kind of like when she told me i thought i wonder if he put that in there um but basically it's just a it's just a format yeah command but he just formatted the entire server <laughs> If you if you say that command out loud, it's not going to delete all podcast, is it? Uh, do you think Siri will just delete the <laughs> <Yeah>. internet? 
Uh, yeah, don't say it. Um, it's like the Scottish play. Yes. In web designers. Uh, no, I mean, you know, I think a lot of it, you know, it said that it deleted his backups and all sorts of things as well. But I can't, I can't believe that's true. I think he just hadn't got a backup. But basically, yeah. everyone was saying on the forum that he'd posted on to, you need to get a lawyer rather than yeah. ask well, that, advice. That's it. They said you're posting on the wrong forum. You Can you imagine 1,500 clients phoning you up saying, where's my website? Blimey. Oh, it's bad enough with 15 or so. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, uh, but yeah, this, it sort of takes me. I don't host sites for clients. Um, I get them to go and do it because you know there's no money in it anymore. Um, you know, it costs like thirty quid a year, doesn't it, for yeah. hosting? And to be rung up on a Saturday or Sunday, which is what happens, um, is not appealing to me. No. Anyway, and I still get the emails anyway. You know, our website's down or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just that's all their problem. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, what was his name? I, I got, uh, I don't know I the link is. Name. Uh, yeah, hang on, I'll find his name. Uh, uh, there's a brilliant quote in it, um, which was, this is, this is not bad luck. It's astonishingly bad design reinforced by complete carelessness. Yeah, <laughs> his name is Mr. Marsala. All oh, right. Oh. Uh, yeah, so, um, and I think that's a really interesting um, uh, quote that, goes on to what we're going to talk about a bit about later which is um getting paid um we were going to talk about freelancing but we've realized there's a lot to do before we get there and we just haven't had time so we're going to do that in about three weeks time so yep. if you have got things that you want to talk about in freelancing or that you've got experience that you can share then please do share it with us um and uh yeah but it goes on to uh you know, if you're getting paid um, mainly is down to you. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that in a bit. We will. What, have, what else have you seen out there? Uh, well, I saw the thing about the, um, there's a little article uh, about the Guardian, about how the designers for the Guardian uh, built the kind of framework for the Panama Papers story, the big breaking story of tax evasion and avoidance. Um, I love kind of going to the, the, the details of it it's quite a short read but it's just quite interesting to uh, to kind of look at because they the designers only had a week um, notice because it was such a kind of uh, uh, a secretive uh, bit of journalism they only had a week to work on this kind of visual language to to run across the story for I think it was a week or so yeah. it was kind of headline in the, in the Guardian because they were one of the papers that uh, we're breaking it. Um, and it just talks about kind of, you know, how they, why they decided on this colour yellow that they used and how they could make a text story interesting. Uh, and it's a, it's a good little read. Uh, I think it was a, a really effective, effective way they kind of looked at this bright yellow and monochromatic images um, and just kind of nice big type. And they've done it on a couple of other... Um, of their uh, kind of big breaking stories yeah so good stuff good to read I like seeing uh, getting a bit of insight into how big uh, big sort of design things happen and how many people um, this was in the in the print wasn't it yeah it was not um, online well it does say it worked across online as well but, but because I can't I find have, it well I use the Guardian app right so I don't think it uh, propagated onto that at all so I don't know if it 
I, I mean, maybe it's one of those things that it was only kind of when it was actually breaking the used it, the archive um, of the stories for the Panama Papers certainly don't seem to show any of it. That's obviously something they'll have to look at next time. I mean, maybe that's just because they, there's no time. Uh, there was no time to kind of take it across yeah. every uh, every platform. I didn't see the actual paper, but it looks like there's it's kind of um, a warm grey and a yellow. Yeah, so used. the warm grey is is the colour they use for kind of all their big, I think their big editorial stuff. Um, um, and yeah, so they chose this kind of bright, kind of slightly sort of acid yellow. Yeah, I like as it. As a contrast to that. <clears throat> um, but yeah, nice little insight. Well, that warm grey nine was the colour I used for um, last week's icon. Colour oh, ge- geeks. Because okay. it was episode nine, you see. Yeah, see what I did nice. there? See what I did? What are you going to do, did, for, what I, you gonna do what, for episode 10? Oh, it's your turn. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'll send you okay. the file. Right, you are. Can you use Photoshop? <sighs> don't know. Yeah. I'll, I'll try. I'm, I've got to work out if I can still use... Um, I've done it in fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to work out if I can still use InDesign and Illustrator because I've, I've got uh, a week's freelancing next week. All right. Um, I haven't really done design work since before Christmas, so uh, uh-huh. see what I can remember. All right. I've been, uh, uh, yeah, knees deep in uh, InDesign this week. Yeah, uh, I yeah. like InDesign. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's the one I use most. So that, yeah. that and Illustrator. Um, yeah. And I've been using, oh, yeah, to be honest, I've been using Photoshop um, and the AstroPad app for oh, doing yes. retouching. Um, didn't think I'd like it. So they've just updated the interface on AstroPad a little bit to uh, help you kind of move the viewport around a bit more rather than it just being a static thing. And uh, it just works amazingly. So you're using your Spangly iPad Pro yeah. and your Apple Pencil. Yeah. And doing do like masking. via... AstroPad yeah. on Photoshop. Yeah. So wow. Yeah, and it works brilliantly. Plugged in is there's no lag whatsoever. Um, unplugged. So that's from the lightning cable. Mm-hmm. Unplugged. There's a little bit of pixelation when you when you're drawing. Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, plugged in, it's absolutely flies. And uh, yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't praise it enough. It's really, really good. It's got uh, like a a toolbar on it where you can put your favourite. It's a bit like the Wacom. You can program in your favourite buttons. Mm -hmm. So save, you know, brush bigger, brush smaller, et cetera, et cetera. But you can then flip that left and right. So I'm left-handed. So you can just, you know, I was looking for a a left-handed setting like you get in Wacom. Yeah. But actually it doesn't have that. It just slides across so you can move elements of the interface anywhere you like on the iPad. Oh, very cool. I think you'd struggle on the smaller one. I think I just don't think you'd have the real estate yeah. of the of the new the new iPad Pro that's the, the that's the little the mm. little form. Um I just it's don't got think a couple, it's got a couple of extra uh, features, hasn't it, the the smaller one. It's, yeah, they put a, uh, they've a better put, screen. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, I have to say that. Yeah, on the when you when the light was coming in, the sunshine through the window, um, and I had the iPad Pro flat. Uh, there was a lot of reflection in it, so it was quite hard. Um, yeah. But I've got a matte overlay that I still haven't put on it, which I'm going to have a go see if that cuts down the glare. But It'd be interesting yeah. to see how the pencil works. Oh, it's just phenomenal. It really, it really was. It really is brilliant. Um, yeah. So I did a load of masking yesterday for some client products, and. Um, yeah, just whizzed through it. It was really, really good. So very Ooh. pleased, very pleased. Um, yeah, so sorry, I w- went completely off topic there. That's all right. Next bit of news, what have you got? Uh, 
Um, I've got uh, techno- technology, a new Kindle out of techno, techno. Was released yesterday. Um, I love the Kindle. I've had, I uh, left my one in France annoyingly, so I've got a new one for Christmas. Don't like it as much because it doesn't have the buttons on it. I like a button to turn See, the page. I don't have a Kindle because right. I just like books. Yeah. Even when we go on holiday for two weeks and I take like 12 novels with me. <laughs> yes. Half my suitcase full of books. But, you know. Send it on. Send Quite on like our packages. packages. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, 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 love, I do love the Kindle. I do, you know, typography on it is terrible. Uh, formatting sometimes, especially, you know, so when, you, when you've paid five quid for a book, you mm. expect it to be typeset properly. Um, and tell you who are bad at that, Penguin Classics. Really? Absolutely terrible. So I've stopped buying those. You know, I buy them normal. Yeah. Uh, you know, printed jobbies, but um, yeah, no, I love my Kindle. Um, and uh, but the new one is two hundred and eighty quid, which is weird because the cheapest Kindle is like fifty quid, isn't it? Yeah, the Kindle the one, Fire. The one up from that is um, oh the kid, yeah, the Kindle. So the but the actual we're talking about the um, yeah, the ones the, with the technology that's which is, the is about one hundred and ten or something. Yeah, and but they're the same, the same screen, mm. you know, same DPI. I just don't know why you'd spend 280 quid on them. Because it lasts for three months on a charge, oh, isn't it? You know, what are you, what are you in space? Exactly. <laughs> Surely at some point in a few weeks you get time to yeah. plug your Kindle in. I don't like the design of it. It's kind of like a tapered design, so it goes from thick on the right-hand side to um, thin on the left. But it doesn't I don't even look- think it's tapered, is it? It's just got a kind of a blocky handle, which is where all the, the kind of guts of it and the battery goes. Yeah, but what if you're left-handed? You know, I don't know. I don't like it. Don't like it. But um, yeah, it's a silly addition, isn't it? Yeah, it's a strange. Don't don't understand it. Anyway, maybe they're just testing new battery technology on on consumers. Now, like we were talking about last week, we're sort of we're all guinea pigs, aren't we? Eric Speakman, typographic god, has a, a website called Speaker Stuff, which is where he sells posters and books and kind of printed bits and pieces. He's got a little sort of, I say a little printing press. It's, uh, you know, incredibly well kitted out and it's got probably a dozen printing presses in it uh, where he does kind of letterpress stuff. Um, and I saw a lovely poster on his site, uh, which is a Paul Rand quote. If you don't know Paul Rand is, um, probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Uh, and it's, I will solve your problems and you will pay me, which uh, I think is uh, is what he said to Steve Jobs. Yeah, uh, that's, that is quote, he, he's quoted uh, in that book. I, I think yeah. it's, that's when I first really heard of him because I, I didn't, you know, and I got no... for Next, wasn't it? Steve yeah. Jobs asked him to design the logo for Next. Uh, and I think Steve Jobs might have said, you know, show me some ideas and, um, you know, we can talk about it sort of thing. And Mr. Rand said, no, I'll solve your problems and you'll pay me $100,000. Um, which, you know, shows he's got some balls. But I guess with his back catalogue of work, uh, you can. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, lovely, it's a lovely poster. And on uh, on that site, the Speaker Stuff site, there's uh, there's loads and loads of beautiful uh, handset posters. Mm. So it's well worth a look. All in black and red. So what are they setting this in? Have they got old wood blocks or something like it's that? It's got all sorts. Uh, yeah, a lot of wood type. So we, uh, we went and did that thing ages ago with... Um, we did Stephen Kenny. 
Yeah, who's called... Um, the, the Problem so, Press. Yeah, well, the Two-Pipe Problem, was two he pipe. called for a while? Uh, he's, well, he's the Problem he's Press on now. Twitter and stuff. I think the Two-Pipe Problem is his tagline, is it all? Right. <laughs> but yes, so we went and did a little type... Uh, Type workshop at his uh, his sumptuous uh, <laughs> studio in Walthamstow. Yeah, that was a strange day, wasn't it? It was quite <clears throat> nice guy though, but just it was. yeah, it was very yeah. cramped. Um, it was, but he's got some cozy. amazing old type. Yeah, uh, so that was good. That was just a little thing, and uh, another thing was this uh, British Steel might be making a comeback. So there's the whole Tata uh, Tata Tata the. Indian steel company is selling off uh, the kind of all the British steel business they own uh, and it could be bought out by some businessman uh, and he might bring back the British steel brand uh, which means he might bring back the, the classic British steel logo which is another one of those it's kind of like um, the kind of British rail era logo isn't it uh, it's by David Gentleman looks a, a, a very simple S shape that looks like rolled steel. Yeah, it's lovely. It is. It'd be nice to see that back. It'd be interesting to see if they did bring back that logo, how they'd incorporate it into kind of modern design. Um, but yeah, that'd be nice to see that back. Uh, obviously, it'd be nice to see, you know, the British steel industry back or surviving. Yeah. There's a bit in that story that really highlights um, how you get work as a designer. It says... Um, Gentleman was approached to design the logo for the then nationalised British Steel by his neighbour, Will Camp, who was the <laughs> organisation's director of information services. Yeah. That is that, you know, if you are looking, if you are struggling getting work, that is that is it. Get to yeah. know people. Move because, house yeah. and live next to someone <laughs> who might commission you. Move to a nicer street. <laughs> no, but, you know, being out there and being, you know, so people know about you, that's the way to get work. Um, you know, I find, you know, just being talking to people. You don't, yeah. you don't expect it to come to you. But, yeah. um, well, there's the, uh, there's the uh, is it Anthony Burrell, uh, the designer and uh, printer from uh, Sussex, has uh, got a famous poster that's been ripped off everywhere, which says, do good work and be nice to people. Yeah. Which is kind of like, you know, perfect little mantra for life, really. Yeah. Can't go wrong if you stick to that. Yeah. There, there's a... There's a um, an exhibition at the V&A about the the history of underwear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I wrote, this exhibition looks pants. Is that the only reason you put it on? Because it's, so Yeah, it was just a that. stupid joke. No, I think yeah. it's really interesting. I think... Um, uh, I, I only I only got into underwear as, as a young man. <laughs> <laughs> and you've never got out of it. No, we did an ad. Uh, we did, um, did the props for an ad years and years ago for Triumph. And it was like... Um, it was like a sort of 1950s informational film. I think it was quite well known in the end. Yeah. I, I have to, I'll dig that one out, but it's really good. It's like sort of, um, you know, scientists testing bras and stuff. Anyway, for it, we had to do loads of research. So we bought loads of those Taschen books that were underwear and the, the yes. art director was, had highlighted. I've still got the book, actually. It's got loads and loads of um, post-it notes in it where we had to, you know, you know, look at things and recreate bits and bobs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some amazing art and design and photography around underwear i mean really you know really high-end stuff and we had to um we also did, used to do work for a company called myla who are 
underwear yeah. people and they also have uh, special toys and uh, we had to do a load of packaging and stuff for that so that that could be quite embarrassing when you're photo touching all sorts of <laughs> yeah <laughs> things that you shouldn't be touching I've ex- exactly <laughs> the same issue because the agency i've worked for a lot in shoreditch one of their, their biggest client is triumph underwear so yeah people walk in and you're retouching certain things it can be quite embarrassing. Yeah, because, you know, yeah, those photos don't look like that when they come to you. They certainly don't. The amount of retouching that goes on is shocking. <laughs> Absolutely shocking. Um, and, uh, you know, the vast majority of that comes from the client. That's something worth talking about at some point. Yeah. It's bizarre the things they ask to be photoshopped and retouched. Yeah. Do you do yeah. a lot of that when you're off at the agency? I do, I do a little bit. It's not so much for Triumph. We tend to get in kind of specialist uh, fashion retouches for that um, I tend to find my time I spend much of my time retouching uh, trainers for Puma which is their other right. big client anyway back to the uh, exhibition I haven't really looked through it to be honest but I think it would be a good one to go to like the history I think that they put on some really good fashion um, shows VNA. Um, it seems most of their big shows that I see anything about are fashion. Yeah. Um, you tend not to... Well, I don't know how how much they concentrate on that. I mean, obviously, they've got a huge standing collection of historical bits and pieces, but, you know, they most don't, of the press they seem to get seems to be fashion-related. They don't put a, a huge amount... I used to be a member there, but they, they, they used to do a lot more, a lot more photography and poster-based... Mm. Um, Exhibitions, but they, that really dropped off. You're right. I, I, I think that they've put a lot of it into storage, and you can't see, you know, a lot of the photography that used to used to be there. Yeah. Um, but uh, they're getting a big uh, extension, aren't they? At the minute, I think it's been going on for years. So hopefully, they'll get more of their collection on yeah. permanent view. Yeah, they they have also they do have if you if you've never checked it out they do have um, courses and um, they do a lot of uh, like Photoshop training and all sorts of things like that um, yeah and you can go I think they do Saturday courses and all sorts of things so oh, yeah. um, if you go under their learn thing um, just having a look yeah they not only just do uh, you know stuff for schools and visitors and stuff they do adult courses for all sorts of things so yeah, if you you know want to learn about um, medieval art or anything like that they they really are an amazing organization yeah um so yeah check that out i'll put that on the on the show notes but yeah they, they'll do they do all sorts like printing as well maybe yeah how to work with designers and architects in museums and collections yeah. Yeah, quite interesting. quite specific yeah you know what was the paul rand quote that you talked about oh, i'll solve your problems and you'll pay me yeah so should we get a gra- jump on to getting paid? Let's. Or, or, yeah, okay. And then we talk about 2000 AD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so getting paid. Um, what what launched this? There was something on Twitter yeah, the other week? Uh, I noticed a, a tweet the other day um, from oh, a couple of tweets between Martin Paris and Stuart Weston, who are designers I follow on Twitter. Uh, and they were talking about, you know, kind of sick of chasing agencies for payment um, and we had a little conversation um, you know we share exactly the same experience which is big clients seem to take so much longer to pay you than small clients and big agencies are just as bad at paying freelancers often as anyone else 
and you'd think at least uh, you know design agencies would have some understanding and kind of empathy about paying freelancers on time um it's certainly my experience the bigger the company the slower they pay and you know i can only assume that's because the actual payment of the invoice is so detached from who you've actually worked with you know it gets lost in a in a finance department that might not even be in the same same floor or the same building and it just becomes a kind of an abstract thing doesn't it disassociate from a person it's yeah. just uh, it's just uh, it's just numbers so it just gets put in the system and it'll be paid when their next tranche of invoices are paid which you know big companies they sometimes only pay them every three months so as a freelancer you can do some work and you can be waiting you know in excess of 90 days to get paid which if you're a freelancer is a hell of a long time to go without eating well, yeah, I mean, if anything makes me mad, it's large companies taking a long time and dragging their heels over payment because mm. they're, you know, they're leveraging all of that risk onto the small individual um, yeah. agency or freelancer. Um, I think if you're working with individual freelancers, pay them straight away. I, I don't have any delay on my payment. I don't even do 30 days. I just pay, you know, once the work's done, it's done. Yeah. And that's how I want to be paid. Um, and I understand that for larger companies, medium, you know, I generally work with small to medium companies. Um, they will pay me after 30 days. Um, but there's so much you can do to mitigate this ever happening um and i i do understand that the issue with larger companies when you do get into their pay systems um but you know there are things you can do to try and try and alleviate that and um, one of them's get to know the account person <laughs> is you <laughs> yeah. know yeah actually write them a letter you know or, or or speak to them on the phone and so that you've got an individual person that you can talk to because that will really really help you um, yeah, absolutely. it always does in in all walks of life, doesn't it? But yeah. um, but payment definitely um, get their individual email address, not like a, just an accounts app, blah, um, and copy in you know your account person so that uh, the person you're dealing with the actual work with they might not be involved in the payment, but you can still name and shame them yeah. <laughs> in the in the uh, in the emails. Um, yeah, the other. Uh, I mean, I've learned the hard way because I, I I went freelance back in. 2000 um and uh and then sort of gradually went back into you know we we sort of morphed into an agency and uh employed people and then i wasn't involved in any of that really whatsoever i was sort of moved to the side so i've kind of seen it all but when i first started i was terrible absolutely hopeless um i didn't have a large mortgage i didn't have you know wife and kids and i didn't really have much financial pressure other than paying you know the small amount of money every week every month for the mortgage so i wasn't really that, that bothered also yeah. i didn't feel like i was a proper designer um because i was still doing a lot of it sort of large format print stuff um but i was slowly morphing into that world and i got stung massively by a company who ripped me off uh for a couple of grand i think it was in the back then um and uh yeah they never get paid at all by them no i got some back basically they moved their offices to scandinavia and they had offices all over europe and they were basically just uh, well it turned out they were quite dodgy um they would like ticket out people Uh, and uh, yeah they would just kept moving this invoice address you know from here to there and once it went out of europe i just couldn't get 
you know, any contact. I couldn't get the money. They then disappeared and I wasn't going to mess with them. They were quite thug-like. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I learned the hard way. Um, I didn't, I you know, then I didn't have a contract. I didn't get any deposit. Um, and, I, you know, that really that burnt me, that one. Um, but I've still had it, you know, I still, you know, my thing is if I talk to uh, talk to a client about money and they're not interested, you know, they don't want to talk about it or they evade the um, the subject, then I won't work with them. Yeah. You know, full, that's it, you know. Um, and if they won't give me a 50% deposit on the first job, then I won't work with them. That's so is that how you work for yeah. the first job for a new client, 50% deposit up front? Generally, yes. Uh, and uh, if I get, you know, if I'm nervous about it, I'll start higher. <laughs> And uh, and I'll work down, you know, I'll go down to like 30%, but I do want a payment, um, on yeah. the, you know, because it just proves that they've got that um, that willing and then I can deal with the accounts person and I get all their details. I mean, uh-huh. there's nothing worse than doing a job and suddenly realising that you don't have their invoicing, <laughs> you know, yeah, information or anything like that. Just, it's, <clears throat> you know, it's not professional, but you learn by age and by needing the money <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, do you have um, a contract or do you just have sort of terms of work or i have what i call a working agreement which is a yeah. contract um of such and yes i uh, for the larger work anything over a thousand pounds i will get them to sign it um i know that illustrators do a lot of um uh, they'll do contracts with every drawing they do uh, or every bit of art they do um but for me when i'm doing uh general work with a client it might mean that they get in touch with me once every month or they might be getting in touch with me 20 times a day mm. um it depends you know on their on their cycle of what they need so it's very hard for me to put a contract in place over that kind of work yeah. um but that will be i'll only do regular work with them if they establish over a month you know a course of payments um but with websites yeah contract definitely signed two copies you know Okay. Um, and my group, my group is based on um, there's a guy called Andy Clark who is called um, Stuff and Nonsense. I think yes. you can go to his site. Uh, again, a really good voice um, for design senior designers um, in the web industry. Came at it, you know, completely um, uh, not from a design background, um, but is a sensible chap, very opinionated, a bit like um, Mike. Montero really mm-hmm. um, and uh, he has put uh, quite a lot of free stuff up over the years but one of his is called The Contract Killer so you can go onto his site or his GitHub and download The Contract Killer you can also find it on a site called Docracy um, oh, yeah, no which way. is good sort of you know for, for getting <laughs> blank legal documents for clients who um, need a terms and conditions or whatever yeah. and they don't want to go to a, uh, they haven't got the budget to go to a solicitor to get it written up because you will get quite good contracts there but what what's good about his contract is that he's stripped out all of the um, legal A's yeah so legalese. it's just kind of a plain and, English thing yeah but he's had a l- lawyer look over it now um, the other thing is just to get a solicitor to look over it you know subsequently but I had someone and they said yes fine absolutely fine Um, and all it is is just a a record of your contract for that work and it just promises that I'll deliver X and they will deliver things on time and you know at any point they can cancel the contract but they have to pay me the rest of the money up for Um, and it's worked you know touch wood um, it's worked really really well so far Um, but uh, yeah it's it's really important that you get these things in place um, before you commit to large 
projects with with clients because you know that things will go wrong um and i just couldn't afford to you know carry another business for 60 days it just yeah, yeah. it isn't acceptable and the other thing i've got is i use free agent or you can use any uh, accounting app but it's got a nice feature on it which is automatic reminders so 10 days after something's due it will start emailing out every t- every other 10 days yeah. you know reminders saying you haven't paid um and uh, that that often triggers people to pay um mm-hmm. but ordinarily most people don't go over 30 days at all I get paid pretty well. I have to say, I haven't had any big, big problems since I started up on my own again. Um, well, I guess having those things in place, you know, contracts and stuff, it just makes people realise that you know you're not some sort of two bit cowboy designer. Uh, you are serious about what you do, and they should be serious about you know you paying you treating you like they treat everyone else yeah i think i think one of the one of the things as well is to get the perception back to the client that they're not paying for the end result they're not paying for the logo or the website they're paying yeah. for your 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 time as in service you know you are <laughs> you you are servicing them so whatever they end up with that's not what the value is it's yeah. it's what you're bringing in between that and i think that's what you've got to get across um and i think it's that getting your head around that that really helps you understand and the client understand that they're paying you know for your time and your experience and you know the end result is a is a good thing (laughs) yeah there's there's that thing isn't there about people saying how can you charge so much for a a logo design or something i don't know if mike montero talks about it but uh, it's you know you know you've not paid that for a logo design you've paid that for a logo design and 30 years of my experience or whatever yeah yeah i kind of don't have uh the same well i probably have got some of the same needs but because most of my design work is done uh freelance at clients offices so i'm essentially coming in as a you know a temporary member of staff i don't have contracts um i basically invoice them at the end of every week and they pay me the following week kind of you know like a weekly salary um and i don't impose sort of any i give them a a discount if they book weeks at a time rather than days at a time um and i used to i used to give a discount if people paid me early to try and uh to try and encourage people to pay me at least on time and obviously, you know, you factor that into how much you're charging them. And that works for a couple of clients. Um, but the only thing I do now, really, is my invoices, which you've seen, John. Uh, so the top half of the page of AFL with my invoice on it says, this is an invoice in huge sans serif black and grey type, which is nicked from my logo of this northern boy. Um, and I did that. Because if you phone a client and say, you haven't paid my invoice, and they say, well, I can't find it, I don't think I've seen it, you can say, well, it's the one that says, this is an invoice, bloody big, at the top of the page. (laughs) And it means they can't miss it, and it means they remember it. Um, Which is an idea I nicked from sort of the first London agency I worked at, uh, called Astound. And they used to put, um, I don't know, I I think when they got their domain together they astound was gone so they ended up with astounding fish which is peculiar but they put a big fish on the top of their invoice so that they could say exactly the same to clients who said they couldn't 
you know, can't, can't. I don't think I've seen your invoice and say it was the one with the bloody big fish on it. You go, I missed it. Um, I think that kind of works. Um, certainly, since I've started doing that, I've really uh, had to chase up too much. Um, but yeah, because and then through because of the illustration stuff, um, I quote for a job and kind of get an agreement over email about the pricing and then I get a, uh, uh, a what you call it a purchase order so that effectively that the brief and the purchase order particularly from the my main illustration client kind of nails all the deliveries and a, kind of a lot of that kind of contract stuff so I haven't bothered with a client <coughs> um and my invoices have seven day terms on which just means I expect to get paid in 30 days but it means I can chase it up quicker yeah um, and then for my private illustration commissions that I do um, I get all payment up front because they tend to come via social media and I've found that social media can be <coughs> a very flaky way to get illustration commissions you know people will spend a lot of time asking you to do something and going into detail about what it's going to be and how great you know it all is and then as soon as you mention money they disappear so all payment up front for all my illustration commissions <coughs> which has worked out fine no one quibbles with it so with deposits do you do you, do you don't get any deposits off anybody apart from just full payment on yeah I, I think if I was doing design work or a big I think if I did a big illustration job so I did a Last year, I did my first book illustration job uh, for a, a kids' book publisher. And looking back on that, I would definitely have got either something up front or kind of part payment on delivering certain parts of the job. Initially, you know, they said, oh, it's, it's going to be 33 illustrations and you get paid this much per illustration. And it all needs to be done in the next three weeks which is fine, but it actually ended up going on for nearly three months <laughs> and I didn't get paid till a month after that. So that was um, a pain. So I wouldn't, I think, you know, with hindsight, uh, I would definitely ask for kind of part payment at certain intervals for a job like that again. But, you know, that was my first, I've, I've learned my lesson there. That was my first book illustration job and uh, I kind of took them at their word. Yeah, I think that's the thing is, you know, just protect yourself as much as as you can and you only yeah. do it once. Um, yeah, if you do exactly. it a second time, then you need to seriously slap yourself around the face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, so you know, out there people are, you know, dodgy. Um, but if you get that feeling, don't work with them. There's plenty more people to work for, uh, yeah. I've found. Um, I just don't work with people I don't like. Uh, and, I, you know, I know some people say, oh, no, you need to, you know, I've had friends, you know, say, oh, you need to, you know, get, why don't you go and look at this company and that company and see if you can get work here and here's a, here's a contact. And I just don't want to work for them. I don't, you know, I, I want to work with people who, who want my services rather than feel um, obliged to use me. Absolutely. And there's, <clears throat> there's a great quote, quote by Milton Glazer. He's, I saw a talk with him uh, a few years ago and he's put it in an essay called The Ten Things I've Learned. And one of them is... Uh, some people are toxic, avoid them. And then he goes into talking about how 
you know, if you can avoid, possibly avoid working with people you don't like, then, you know, do it at all costs. Um, and the way to tell if, uh, if someone is toxic is, is if after being in their company, you feel worse than you did before, <laughs> before, and they're toxic and you should end that relationship. <laughs> um, I think I maybe take that too far because I've got quite a short uh, sort of attention span for dealing with people I don't like. But, yeah. um, but yeah, definitely don't work with people you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you'll only do it once or twice. Yeah. Um, but I think with payment, yeah, there are so many things now that you can put in place as well, aren't they? Um, a lot of the free like of getting paid is like, you know, check or backs these days is much mm-hmm. easier. There used to be check in the old days, but, um, uh, you can now use Stripe or um, PayPal or, or any any of these payment gateways. Um, yeah, so the, my, uh, every single one of my illustration commissions has been PayPal. Yeah, which is great. And do you, do you do you add that percentage because they take quite a whack, don't they? PayPal they take what three and a half four percent. It depends how people send it because sometimes it comes through with a full amount. Yeah. I don't know if you can send it as a gift. So maybe some people some people are sending it as a gift, uh, and some people are sending it as a, an actual payment for services. So yeah. I think they must only take a percentage if it's a payment for services. Well, mate, I don't know. Well, I think maybe if they're using a card uh, to, to uh, pay it, then maybe. then it will take its its chunk. But I'm pretty yeah. sure they take a they'll take a fee. I do. I just I I just kind of uh, rounded up mine costs to incorporate that i do a flat rate now for my illustration commissions that includes um posted and package as well for the uk so it's just a flat right it covers everything just to keep it nice and simple and uh, yeah because i mean you know the small percentage on a tiny little item is fine but when you're talking a few thousand pounds it can be quite a cost that you have to add on to get to get that paid but it but it's just having that you know when you send that invoice out and it's got a, you know it's a pdf and it's got a button saying you know you can pay here this yeah. way it makes it a lot easier for the client to to be able to pay it yeah absolutely straight away um, especially if you're resending that over and over again yeah, do you make the button bigger and bigger <laughs> yeah louder and louder uh, as three months later it. it comes on its own separate document yeah Definitely. And I, I think also, you know, if you are running a limited company, then um, you should try and buffer, keep as much money in that business as possible. Don't strip yeah. it out. Um, and the other thing about payment is I, I, you know, I try to save 20% of everything that comes in. I just put straight into savings account. Therefore, I've got a buffer for my corporation tax, mm-hmm. um, national insurance and uh um, and then the accountant as well. It pay, you know, the accountant should pay for themselves. Yeah. Um, get an accountant. You know, don't skimp. Uh, it really is worth it. You know, if even if they save the amount that they cost you, they just take that that load at the end of the year. You know, mine does my my personal tax return. Annie does the business tax return. Yeah. Um, and he now does Jess's as well because she's part of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it, you know, it's just easy, and they do it right, and they save you money. So you know. It's a it's a non brainer as somebody I used to work with used to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should definitely do uh do an episode where we talk about the bizarre things that people have said in yeah. studios. Malapropisms. Yeah, there's a great one that guy I used to work with in Shoreditch and he came out with something uh uh about someone had let the wild horses out of the bag. <laughs> Which I thought was a beauty. Well we used to have catch two situations all the time. <laughs> 
that's not quite as complicated as Catch-22. No, no, no. It's an easy one to get out of. Yeah. I just read a really good book. Um, well, I'm reading a book and I've been reading it for years and I read bits of it and then stop and start and everything. But it's by a guy called Patrick Lee Fermer. Have you ever heard of him? No, I don't think oh, so. He's... You just read his life. It's just like, well, actually, they did make a movie of his life. So um, he is a travel writer, I would call him, um, but a polymath, um, a Second World War hero, a, um, you know, a scholar, a, a writer, um, and uh, sadly has passed away. At the grand old age of 95, he died. Yeah. He wrote a book um, called A Time of Gifts. And he, gifts, not um, gifts, the animated. Uh, yes things because he would have been uh, very prescient to have known about those in 1977 but it was basically a reminiscent of his time when he was a kid and at the age of 19 he walked from Holland to Istanbul um, and he wrote about his adventures um, and he was walking in 1933 so it's the year that Hitler came to power mm. and he walked through Germany, uh, Austria um, and then down uh, through into the Baltic states and um Baltic states? No. Uh, yeah, down into... Balkan. And he, en he ends up... Balkan. And he ends up in... Um in Greece, and that's where he pretty much lived for most of his life. But he was also involved in uh, the Crete, uh, in the resistance there, mm -hmm. um, and he kidnapped, famously kidnapped, um, a German general in 1944, and with together with the um, with the Crete resistance, uh, took him offshore on a submarine and uh, took him into captivity into Cairo. Wow. And it turned out that uh, the uh, the very grumpy um, general that was captured uh, on top of the mountain suddenly uttered uh, a quote from Homer and Patrick Lee Firma finished it for him and they became firm friends. <laughs> <laughs> they were both speaking in ancient Greek on the top of Crete, which is just amazing, Fantastic. an amazing story. Anyway, this book, Time of Gifts, at one point he, and he gets robbed um, and he, so he's got very little money and he ends up in Vienna at the time that the Nazis are really pushing uh, Austrian political um, uh, system into sort of chaos um, and try, you know, it's, it's before the Anschluss. Anschluss, is that the, was that yeah. the word? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he uh, ends up in a sort of lodging house, a bit like um, George Orwell in Down and Out in Paris and London. Mm -hmm. And he meets another, a fellow tramp, and they both um he he finds out that he uh, that Patrick Lee Firma can draw so what he does is he gets him to knock on the doors of all the elderly people uh, all the great and good of Vienna and they all live in these massive shared apartments and once he gets in to one apartment he can then knock on all the individual doors and so he goes around there drawing all these portraits and meeting all these people and he gets paid for that it just it just reminds me because it, um the austrian that he's with who's i think he's a german actually but he uh he he's learned english only through shakespeare so he kind of speaks in this shakespearean quote How but he wonderful. says that, uh, when they get the, their first payment he he says to him this is fairy gold boy <laughs> <laughs> which is like when you first get paid for the first time as a freelancer i just thought yeah, it was such absolutely. a great word but that's from the winter's tale in shakespeare yeah. um but yeah it's a it's a cracking book i really recommend it i know i've come completely off topic there but yeah, i just thought it was an, a nice ending to being getting paid is uh yeah. just remember when you are paid yeah it's fairy, fairy gold, gold and uh, you're not on the payroll of somebody else that's <laughs> the main thing so yeah good luck with all your payment stuff but yeah put some things in place and you'll find it a lot easier
but I don't know how to solve the long term, you know, bigger agency thing. Don't mm-hmm. work for agencies, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, we, uh, yeah, 2000 AD. Yes. Did, did you watch it? I did. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I, I kind of took away two things from it, I think. One was how much I loved 2000 AD. Um, if you don't know what 2000 AD is, it's, uh, it's the galaxy's greatest comic. But yeah, I, it reminded me just how much I loved reading it. I think I started reading it in 1983. Prog 305, I think, was my first. Um, and probably read it for about eight years. Um, and then stopped when I went away to university. And I loved it. And it made me regret stopping reading it, even as an adult. Although, judging by some of the things they said about it in the 90s, uh, it wasn't worth reading. No, I stopped. Um, I stopped then. I stopped uh, beginning of the nineties. And, yeah. and uh, the other thing I took away from that documentary, about, apart from how much I loved it, was just how sort of shockingly treated the creators <laughs> of the comic were. I mean, yeah. they were like slaves. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of, you know, semi-willing slaves. I mean, they were producing something wonderful and loving doing it, but the way they were treated and paid and they signed all their rights away to everything you know it's absolutely shocking yeah you can see why there was the, this mass uh, migration to america where yeah. they got paid and respected um but it wouldn't have happened without 2080 being in there in the first place what what i found really interesting was the um the faces of the artists that i'd never seen um, yes and they were a lot geekier <laughs> or they just were. and they were a lot more um you know like sort of um down at heel private eyes or i guess it's weird isn't because i showed quite a few sort of archive photographs of the artists in their hair day you know these are guys in their 60s yeah yeah so very different to the sort of people you'd imagine yeah drawing and writing the kind of ultra-violent comics yeah amazing i couldn't believe it arriving oh all right Marvellous, thank you Listen to that, it's, there's nothing like a, the smell of a pie in the morning No, I do like getting my pies delivered as well It's marvellous um, Yeah, it, it, was, it is strange because they were faceless essentially in, in the comic, weren't they? You knew their names yeah. from the little uh, credit cards at the beginning of the stories But they, because there wasn't the internet back then no you couldn't you know, find any of any this out presence I, yeah i didn't know anything about this you know pat mills was was one of my heroes and i didn't yeah. realize that he was involved in action which i absolutely loved as a kid i uh, i didn't really know actually i'd re- definitely read it but i didn't know yeah, i wasn't allowed to buy it but one of relative gave me an annual one year and it was just my out and out favorite you know that and the dalek 1977 annual <laughs> uh was just my favorite comic book ever it, it was so violent and so shocking so different yeah. to the beat know that i'd know you know and even like you know the uh what were the little war like the war ones commando and things I like that they commando. were they were good but they were so lame weren't they, they? Were. Um, they were like 1950s war movies weren't they yeah they but this uh, thing was properly nasty <laughs> it was properly violent and i think even 2000 ad was a little bit toned down because it wasn't so real it wasn't about real lives it was about sci-fi yeah. um, and well, I think was, they touched that was, on that in the yeah that was the reason they started it wasn't it because action got banned um, banned <laughs> because it was too violent and they thought yeah. well, how can we do something you know as good and as cutting edge without getting banned like, well let's set everything in a in a sci-fi setting yeah um, but yeah. i remember my parents talking when i used to read it when i was 10 or 11 talking about should we let our son read this right 
about 2008. I didn't read 2008 till later. Um, somebody gave me a book of um, DR and Quinch, and I absolutely yeah. loved it. Um, and that that drew me in there. So I was probably, I think, 14, 15 when I started okay. reading it. Um, and then I got into Strontium Dog and ABC Warriors, uh, and just absolutely loved all that stuff. And Nemesis was one of my favourites. Yeah. So I found that there's a 2008 app, and you can. Um, you can buy all of the collections on there. Yeah. So I keep thinking, uh, I, I, I need to kind of fill fill this kind of 2000 AD shipped hole in my life now. I think I might buy some of the, the big collections that you can get. Yeah, there's some of them are really poor quality. Um, they're printed on really poor quality pulpy paper. Um, and what you need is a really nice white crisp paper behind some of the drawings, you know, the Simon yeah. Bisley stuff, and to really throw it off the page. So um, I would just look at the book before you buy online or yeah, anything. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> I can't remember which ones are the bad ones, but... Um, the Simon Bisley thing, when he, when he started drawing for 2008, it was it was so amazing because that's when they brought in kind of full colour, kind of painted comic strips, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and his work was just so different to everything else you'd seen. Uh, prior to that, it had been sort of a lot of flat colour and, yeah, Simon Bisley's were just these amazing... Yeah, he wasn't creations. so much in it, was he, in the film? He wasn't featured no. a huge amount. No, he was uh, mentioned. It was, but, it was kind of uh, early and then late, and they'd missed out a lot of the stuff that I, I'd i kind of yeah. know, met. But, yeah, definitely worth watching. Great oh, film, really good. Superb. Quite punk ethos, but the people in it weren't that punk. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but the lovely, animation... Uh, lovely credits and animations. Yeah. yeah, really nicely done, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed that very much indeed. So what was that called? It was called 2000 AD... Future Shock. Future Shock. And it's on Channel 4 for the next couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, it's on all four. You can still get it on. if you can bear sitting through the adverts. Yes. Yeah, brilliant. So uh, do you want to do website of the week? We're nearly up to an hour, old boy. Uh, Yes. My website of the week is something called Paper Home. Right. Uh, She's spelt uh, paper and then H-O-L-M. Home. Paper Home. Uh, And it's a guy um, called Charles Young. Oh, this is amazing. Who creates these little paper objects and buildings and he's creating one a day and he makes these amazing animated gifs. Oh my god. And they're just fantastic. Oh, so there's little you know, some of the simpler ones might just be a little townhouse created beautifully crafted in paper on a little wooden mount. Or it might be a little kind of factory or a tent. But then you've got a kind of even more bizarre things. You've got like a Mobius triangle type thing. You've got uh uh, like a, a T-Rex Trojan horse thing with a ladder. You got little windmills. Uh, it's absolutely, I can't. This is so nice. They're amazing. I'm be here for hours. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful things. I just love the website. I just love the old, you know, the styling of it. And yeah. it's just a Tumblr, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. It's fantastic. So good. And uh, it's just kind of building this city, I guess. So, onto pies. Yeah. What have you got? I've got a pie minster moo, uh, beef steak, and craft ale pie. Um, That's intriguing. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm eating this at, what's the time? 11.21 in the morning. Uh, mm. I, yeah, it's excellent. Really good. Chunky bits of veg, 
nice overcooked, you know, sort of fall apart beef, bit of onion in there. The uh, pastry's excellent. It wasn't in a tin foil or anything. It just was literally a pie slid out of a box. Oh. Mm. Is it accompanied by anything? No, uh, no, I haven't got anything in here. It's been a bit of a mad panic this morning getting these ads out. I haven't even had a shower yet. Oh, good God. Oh, please tell me you're not sat there in your pants, John. No, I'm totally naked. Be still my mother's beating heart. <laughs> um, uh, no, that's no. I have walked the dog, so hopefully I did put clothes on. Um, I um, yeah, delicious. I'm gonna I'm gonna give that. I might give that an eight. You know, good for a shop bought shop bought pie, that is pretty damn good. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's double your average score. It has. <laughs> I'm a bit down on pies. Yeah. What's what's yours this week, Rob? I have got a um, a mixed game pie. Ooh. From uh, Church Street Food Hall in Twickenham, uh, and it, it looks again. I've had one of their pies before. It looks a bit like a, a pie you'd get in a working men's club in a little tray dish or at a football match. Um, but it's actually really nice, uh, and it's it's uh, it's nice and warm, very crisp pastry. The, cutting into it's a bit disappointing because it's the meat. I think it's got rabbit, badger, fox, pheasant. Yeah, uh, no, it's got roadkill. It's got pheasant and um, pheasant and rabbit, I think, and probably some pork. Um, but it's it's all much of a muchiness. It's a bit of a sludge. Yeah, but I'll give it a go. Very crunchy. That's the bones of the rabbit, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's very nice, actually. You can definitely taste it. Taste it's um, it's gamey. Um, but the meat's all very nice and tender. Best pastry yet, I'd say. Yeah, it's a good pie. Good. Just lacking on the aesthetics a little. Um, but I gets a good solid seven. Cool. And it's definitely a pie this week. After my um, after the pasty debacle of last yeah. week. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a good note to end on. Yeah. Good decent pies. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, enjoy your weekends, everybody. I will try and get this up tonight. Um, uh, once I get back from my date with IKEA. Yeah, I will. Um, I'll get on top of the show notes and post the show notes for the last couple of episodes in the next couple of days. Yeah, uh, and this one as well. Uh, and like John said earlier, if you've got any thoughts on the business of being a freelancer, the perils and pitfalls, any advice, anecdotes, um, get in touch with us on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening on iTunes, give us a review. It'll give us a bump up the up the, uh, the ratings a bit. Yeah. That'd be really, really, would really appreciate that. Um, and uh, we oh, personal projects. How's yours going? Brilliantly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next uh, week. Uh, yeah. Are you done?